Hello and welcome to a special episode of Running Inside Out Podcast. This is the 2019 edition of Voices from the Trail, recorded at Medved Running and Walking on Monroe Avenue in Pittsburgh, New York. Another spring is upon us, and that means it was time for Mort Nace to assemble a panel of trail running outdoor enthusiasts and call us all into the shop for a night of talking trails. Laura Reckerth, Davin Askvig, Tim Kent, and Laura Weber all joined. So Laura Reckerth made her way up 74 peaks last year. Davin Askvig has run more than 70 ultras, finishing many on the podium. Tim Kent is a purposeful training machine set on setting an example for the next generation. Laura Weber is a family-oriented adventure racer who actually did a 24-hour mountain bike relay race with her husband, Ian, while their one- and three-year-old served as crew. They each were kind enough to share their experiences and motivation running and getting outside, as well as humoring me during some of my more interesting lines of questioning. So, um, one other thing. Uh, now, I was never good enough to get into the AV club in high school, and I can barely put batteries in my headlamp before a race. So, Many of you longtime listeners know that mobile recording can sometimes be a challenge for me. Uh, so that means that I screwed up a little bit of this recording. It makes it, you know, authentic. Luckily, it was my track that got messed up. So you can still hear the important people, you know, fairly well. Uh, all the panelists come through crisp and clear. Um, it's really the... Uh, bleed through the microphones that saved my track. It's oddly enough, um, the same week, two of my favorite podcasts, both hosts, completely unrelated, different episodes, different shows, both hosts did the same thing, screwed up their end of the recording. And they're professionals. So I feel like, you know, I'm in good company there. So sorry for all you audiophiles. Uh, you probably won't be able to make it through this, but, but maybe you will because um, if you do stick around and all you regular folks, when you stick it out, there's some uh, pretty good stuff in here, including like just what's, what's it all about, trails and running and outdoors, and uh, the real why, what gets people going, and also, you know, learning which kitchen appliance our panelists are most closely aligning themselves with these days. So give it a listen. And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. Hi guys, welcome. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate this. This is always a fun night for us as trail racing season uh, is upon us, we think. Um, bring friends together and have some guests who, some friends who just lead a conversation. We invite you to participate. Hopefully you filled in some questions for these guys. Um, and many, many thanks to Chris O'Brien for leading this conversation. But we always look forward to it. Um, 
And again, thanks for coming out. I'll do some quick intros of these guys before Chris takes it away. To my immediate right, uh, Laura Weber, part of our Goose Adventure Racing family, teammate of mine, a multi-sport athlete, as well as she's won the last two Muddy Sneakers. Uh, she's attempted to skip this year's Muddy Sneaker by running Boston, but um, despite her objections, she is registered to defend her title. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Tim Kent, a uh, training partner of mine. Uh, we often work, work out together. I'm um, grateful he's willing to share his story. Tim brings uh, an outdoor element, frequently training for hunting expeditions out west, as well as uh, many of the trail races he does locally, um, as well as out um, while he's out west as well. He's got recent stories of racing in the Grand Mesa in Colorado, a place that I, I'd love to have visited. And I'm looking forward to hearing more of what he has to say. Um, including putting dinner on the table. <laughs> Davin Oskvig, um, and his dad is here. Uh, Davin, uh, <laughs> talented runner from, um, very fr frequently is on the podium with over 70 ultras to name. Um, he's recently also dabbled in multi-sport doing a half Ironman, is that correct? Yeah. Um, trying some water sports as well, but pretty well-rounded athlete. And Laura Reckert, who, um, and many mountain stories to tell, not only racing, but climbing. Uh, she's, I frequently hear stories of the Adirondack trips, but recently the White Mountains. And it has a, a very recent story to tell, I hope, about the Grand Canyon and running rim to rim to rim. Uh, but thank you guys for all sharing your time. And welcome to the shop. And with that, um, I invite Chris O'Brien to take it from there. Hi, everybody. So we've, we've all met now we're all we're all friends here so this is a safe space we can we can share uh, there's no judgments right so uh, at, as we start um, we always like to get a little bit of background a little bit of motivation what what gets you up and out right so uh, some days it's the beautiful bright sunshine other times it's the training plan um, sometimes it's promise or escape Right, so <laughs> Tim's like escape. <laughs> In. So um, let's start with you then, Tim. If if you think of uh, what gets you really going, um, when it, what does it come down to for you? Well, and for all of us, I think there's times where we're challenged, and not just by what the individual workout is, but just staying motivated. And so for for me. It's just kind of trying to take those moments and make them as few as possible. So if I kind of get on, get some momentum going, then I'm, I'm able to keep that momentum. But I mean, ultimately, to be totally honest, uh, what what keeps me going in a bigger way is my, my dad um, had a quadruple bypass when he was 48 years old, and so. You know, he, he didn't live, like, a great lifestyle. He was a smoker, wasn't super active, desk job, a lot of that stuff. But I have a desk job, you know, and um, have not made always the best decisions in my life. So I kind of always look at that situation, and that's a lot of what motivates me to, to get up and get moving and try and buck that potential trend and some of those genetic traits. And then, you know, that easily dovetails with, I just love being outside, and I and I, I talk with people all the time. They're like, "Oh, hey, what do you what do you like most about trail running?" And for me, it's just covering ground. 
I just I love covering ground. I love seeing things. I love catching the sunrise or the sunset or just the the things that you definitely wouldn't experience if you weren't to get up and get out that day. And so, uh, and you never know what each day is going to bring. And there's days where it sucks, you know, and it, and it hurts and it's not fun and you don't want to be there. But once you get past it, it's over. You move on and, and then you have the next one and you go from there. So that's my thing. What about you, Don? Um, well, currently I've spent five years qualifying for the lottery of western states in five years I've been denied entry so they haven't pulled my name and if it wasn't for the fact that I had five years already in I would probably look at other horizons but I'm kind of stuck now in the sense that um, I've, I've been doing this for long enough that I have to run another qualifier and I have to put my name in again just to finally get there so a big part of the motivation right now is to go ahead and, and get that lottery entry and for the sixth year put my name in for that race so there is that that drive of the schedule itself and, and the qualifying race um, that being said the recent past is more trying to combat the winter i just decided to start streaking it in a matt bertrand style um, so i made a point to go out every day since january 2nd and only two runs, I think, have been inside, and uh, I hate the treadmill. Um, two miles on the treadmill feels like an eternity. So I managed to do all of those miles, save for uh, two runs, um, outside, no matter what the conditions are, blizzard, wind, whatever. And the hardest step you take is to step out the door. Mm-hmm. And once you're out the door, kind of all disappears in, in whatever you face. And, and I love to see those drivers who look at you like you're crazy because you're out there and the blizzard and the wind and you know your eyebrows turn like bright white and you have snot sickles and they think you're crazy and they're right but they're missing out on something that you get to experience there's a quietness to winter now that we've entered spring there's this rebirth of sound all around us and so many people are missing out on that experience because they're not taking that first step just to go outside so the streak in some way has has been the motivation just to take the step outside to get outside. Yeah, we're going to come back to Snotsicles later. And it's it's going to be it's going to be a poignant moment of the evening. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> so, um, Record, what about you? You got a crazy work schedule. You're on a different clock than most of us here. What what gets you going? Um, mostly just doing things that you never thought you would do or maybe like didn't know your body could do like my very first ultra it was just a 12-hour race and I had no idea it was going to be an ultra I was just like I'm going to run for 12 hours and I don't know how far I'll go it ended up being 55 miles and then (laughs) and then like now it's strat like whenever we go to the mountains it's like we're going to do this hike and I don't know how long it's going to take I don't know it might be 20 miles it might be 30 and you know, we probably won't finish, but then, like, you get to a point where you can't turn around and you have to finish. <laughs> and maybe you're hiking all night, and that's kind of, like, the best part is you just end up being on your feet longer than you planned, and you're out there and you're completely drenched in your own sweat. 
and I think that's one of my favorite feelings is just like being totally exhausted maybe like hitting bottom and like coming back and yeah yeah we'll talk we'll talk about that night stuff. yeah <laughs> there uh her and Strat went out to the presidential traverse and they got there late and uh just decided instead of going to sleep and starting in the morning to just start that so they started the presidential traverse in the middle of the night so well that'll be fun <laughs> we'll let laura go into that uh, on to our other Laura. So um, we've talked primarily of runners, but Laura's uh, an adventure racer, so Laura may decide that it's a good idea to go skiing. <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, lately it's been more running, and I can definitely relate to the cold mornings this winter. I've been trying to get out. I also hate the, hate the treadmill. Um, and... I, there's been some skiing too, um, and I need to get more on the bike this spring. Um, so juggling what I'm going to do when is it's partly by feel. I mean, what I feel like doing that day, and it's nice to have those choices of, you know, I don't think I have a run in me today, or I'd rather go out on the bike or um, ride the canal with my kids on the bike and trail them behind, or you know, do do kind of just getting out there. I think is the most important thing, and and I agree with. You know, just getting out the door is probably the hardest part. And once you kind of carve out the time for that and and get out there, I'm always glad I did. I can't recall going out for a run and going, wow, I really wish I hadn't done that. So even though when I'm heading out the door, mm, I don't know if I feel like going there. Um, once you get out and going, I, I definitely... And, and I, running and, and just um, getting out there, for me, is also my, my time to think, my peace and quiet, my stress relief. So... Um, those are all motivating factors for me too because if I don't um, for several days work and family and obligations get in the way I, I get more cranky so it's it's definitely good for me to get out yeah the, the crankiness factor is, is the first thing my, the first thing my wife will say did, when, when did you run yesterday <laughs> and I'm like no I didn't run yesterday she's like you should run today <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it just it gets like a little pent up. Now we were talking earlier, and you had mentioned young kids, um, and your husband Ian is also an adventure racer, right? So yep. What's that like? Are you are you dragging the kids out to run, or are they dragging <laughs> no? You um, just the other day, my one of my sons, I had gone for a run, and he asked to go with me, so we went on our own run. Um, just through the neighborhood and you know whatever he wants to do he kept wanting to go further and I keep after reminding him we do have to go back <laughs> so we live up a hill um but uh but no they 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 like to get out there um it is a challenge they're little they can't um stay on their own so um we're always going after the elusive perfect schedule <laughs> and trying to fit in everything we want to do there isn't one so um but we 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 do a mix of different things going on on our own, trying to take them with us. We have the the trailer and the the, the bike trailer and the jogging stroller and all that stuff. They're, they won't stay in that much, though they really want to be doing it on their own. So we have the tag along so they can ride on their own. And, yeah, it's always changing. Yeah, it's kind of like it's, uh, you, you can't have the perfect plan, so you've got to adjust, right, all the time. Always, always. <laughs> Tim, you had mentioned the, the idea of um, 
you know, not following in those genetic footsteps. Is it also kind of like making new genetic footsteps, sort of showing that example and leading and sort of building? In yeah. That way? Very much so. I mean, I, I try and do that with all aspects of my of my life, and so it's pr- particularly important for me with my with my kids. I want them to have uptake of a of a healthy lifestyle, whether they choose to run. But more importantly, I just want them to be active. You know, I don't care if they're cross country skiing or playing basketball or snowboarding or whatever. Just what about doing polo? stuff. Sure. I mean, I don't have boys, so there's no speedo involved or any of that stuff. It's just, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. So, it's an Olympic sport. You could be, yeah. I, I don't even understand how water polo is played. How can you tread water with somebody jumping on your head? I think that's how it became an Olympic sport. <laughs> um, so, uh, Michelle Fenton. Tim run together a lot, and I, I, I hadn't met Tim, and she said a, a lot of people haven't met Tim, <laughs> and so I was I was kind of mining her for information, and one of the things she told me was, if Tim tells you you're going out for a 15 mile run, you're going out for a 15 mile run, regardless of the conditions, regardless of how long it takes, you're doing 15 miles, maybe more, but you're not doing 14. What's that about? Uh, we, well, I, I train with, with Dan Ostrander a lot, too. Um, I train with Dan every Tuesday, and I usually train with Michelle either every Friday or Saturday at this point. And um, Dan and I were talking about this on Tuesday morning. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty firm believer in, like, deliberate practice. So when, when I go out and I'm training, obviously, generally, I'm training for something, Sometimes I'm training more intently for something. You know, I might have a race or I might have an event that I'm working up to or, you know, maybe I don't, who knows, you know, there's, we're always training for something, even if it's just life. But um, so with that deliberate practice, you know, I'm, I'm working on mechanics certain days or, I'm, you know, there's certain sections of trail that are like my nemesis by my house and I'm always trying to find a more efficient way to run it or I want to run a hill faster or whatever. But I feel like, if I'm accountable to that, to myself, like I have to stick to it. Right. And so I'm not like a really good training plan guy. Like last year was the first year I ever laid out a training plan, like on a spreadsheet and it looked really cool and whatever else. And then I, I, I thought I did really good. And then I went back and looked at it and I was like, man, there's a lot of weeks where I ran zero miles, you know, <laughs> or like I ran 10, you know, and then there, there'd be a week where I ran 60, you know, or 440 or whatever. But, um, but the thing is, it's like if if you're not if you're not going out and you're deliberately trying to achieve what you set out to do, then I feel like you're you're not preparing yourself mentally for you know whatever the next challenge is. I mean, you know, you guys understand. Like if you're if you're going out and you're going to run an ultra, like let's say it's a 50k and it's 31 miles, it doesn't all of a sudden become 27 because it starts to suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, 37. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, so it's like, oh, 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 I'm cramping up. This race just got shorter. Like, there's no there's no option there. It's binary. It's like, oh, I, I can DNF, which is fine if that's what you choose to do, or I keep going no matter what the conditions are. Oh, it started raining. Oh, you know, whatever. And so um, 
it's just like if if you can if you if you can kind of harness that for me personally if i can harness that and like be accountable to it and whatever then i'm going to constantly achieve that and then the other thing and i think mort can attest to this like if i can train with somebody and i can help them too that gives me such a like an enormous amount of gratification if, if i can help them be better so it's like you know there are days where i can tell michelle does not want to keep going like, I mean, we just did a 20 miler two weekends ago and at mile 17, I could just tell she was like done. And I didn't want to keep going either, but you have to, you know? And, and so that's kind of my, my thing with that. I can't help but uh, hear seeing Davin's head doing this the whole time you were talking. Um, the, the idea of being very deliberate and being very intentional. If I've learned anything from Davin, that that's the big piece of, of your training well your mindset right it's part of if there's any equation to success it's that you know you cannot get to the finish line without putting in the miles and um i i've come to abide by a rule of a training plan that is at least 10 percent in excess of the distance you're racing which means if i'm racing 100 miles i'm maxing out at at least 110 in a given week because you're going to have to cover that in a day so if it's 100K, then you need about 70 miles in the week. Now, I know that my body can handle that, and others can't. So it's also somewhat realistic for what you can handle. And for people that I, that I coach or manage, I always look at a three-hour threshold of being on your feet or running consistently for three hours, you're going to maximize your endurance capacity. And with everything over three hours, you're only increasing the chance of injury. But I can go a lot further in three hours than most people. and It's not arrogance, it's just how it is. Um, so my weekly totals with just one three-hour run end up very high by virtue of that. But, I, yeah, I'm very wedded to the schedule in the sense that you've got to put in the work if you want the result. You cannot go get the result without, without the work. Um, and, I, and I think we've all had experiences where we know we haven't put in the work. Even if the result is okay or by other standards would be pretty good, we know based on how we feel that the work wasn't there. And we also know those races where we've come away and we've had, we've had a great experience because the work was there beforehand. And so, yeah, it hurt. It was a race. It was long. Um, but at the same time, that hurt was mitigated by the work that was done beforehand. Yeah, and it, again, very very detailed, very math-oriented, and here's the numbers, here's the percentages. And you've coached Laura. I have. You've coached Laura through a 100-miler. I did. Um, but Laura's training and Laura's experiences are very organic. I want to go out and have an adventure. So how do you balance that with a coach that you like, but with, I want to... I want to start a hike at 1 a.m. and we'll see where we go. Well, I mean, those those hikes did happen after we were done with the 100. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he coached me through the 100 and then many in the Jenny. And then kind of after that, it was like, there's nothing really left or nothing until this year. So it's kind of like, you know. She got what you wanted out of me and she was like, see ya. You <laughs> <laughs> can take a break. <laughs> now, lost, right? Yeah. But the, the, um, you do, you do rock climbing and like mm-hmm. things like slacklining and 
you do all sorts, you go to Rossi as well, and so you have this more well-rounded kind of thing. So are the woods and the trails training for you, or are they something else? I think, I mean, in the summer, yes, definitely, because I just like being outside, and you know, I like the heat, and I like, you know, taking three or four hours to just, like, run through the woods. But in the winter, I didn't really have much motivation to get out. I was like, I don't want to be cold. And I wasn't training for 100. So <laughs> last last winter, I was outside, like, every run for three or four hours, back to back, and the most miles I ran ever because of Davin. So <laughs> Yeah, most people are aiming for 1,000 miles yeah. a year. Laura got that in a winter. Yeah. I think when we did the podcast that she just said, I, I'm not used to a two in front of my monthly mileage. You know, she was doing well over 200 miles a month training for this 100 mile. Um, so, Laura, when was the last time that you had a real solid, full, tick the boxes training plan? Me? Um, I. I have a training plan now. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm doing mar- the Voss Marathon in a couple weeks, so I've been I'm on to tapering now, so I'm super excited. <laughs> um, but so I did follow one for that, um, but that's probably about it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I asked that because it's it's this idea of like we go out for adventures, we go out there to fill our spirit and to you know take in the trees and to have the earth beneath our feet and all that. But every Tim said, I train with Dan Ostrander. I train with Michelle, right? He, he runs with Dan Ostrander. <laughs> like, you know, but it's, I train. And, and there's something, there's this balance between, like, I train, but I'm also experiencing, and I'm, I'm having fun, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm enriching myself in that weird sort of balance. So that's why I asked that, because it is hectic getting out with the kids. It is dragging a, you know, like you said, a toe behind on the bike ride, and kid wants to stop for ice cream, and you're like, I gotta get these miles in, right? And so how do you and Ian sort of fill your fill your cup with adventure, and yet you qualify and train for Boston? Um, well, the training plan I have has lots of scribbles and arrows, and I moved this over here, and so even that doesn't go always to plan, but... Um, like I said, we're always trying to figure out the best way to to balance all that. And I was just talking, uh, you know, I'm still figuring out what races and adventure races we want to do um, coming up this summer. Um, I want to do a couple of adventure, adventure races and planning which ones, but I'm also very conscious of not signing up for every race that sounds awesome because we want to have those weekends and that time at home to go do adventures and camp, you know, camp with the kids and, and, and do adventures with them. And they, by the way, are convinced that they are doing an adventure race this summer, so I'm going to have to figure out how to make that happen. Um, But, um, yeah, so they, I mean, it's that balance, and it's always a fine line trying to to figure out what it is. There was one year, maybe a few years ago, it was mostly local races, but I signed up for a ton of races and just decided that was too many, so trying to keep it to the right number. Um, I don't know what that is, but... um, do that balance, yeah, yeah. Um, so and sometimes we bring them with, right? So we. Well, I see. That's I've met your kids more than because <laughs> Ian's always got them out on the course taking pictures and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. 
I've seen them quite a bit. They did Hardcore 24 with us a couple of years. Um, so we were a two-person team, um, Ian and I, and they were on the team. Um, and they were our support crew. We supported them. So um, made an extra challenge. So we, we did 24-hour racing. We just would tag off whoever was riding, was riding the course. The other person was, you know, fixing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or mostly on the playground. Spent a lot of hours on the playground. So for the people that don't know Hardcore 24, <laughs> this is a 24-hour bike race. It's, it starts at Ontario County Park and rides down the same thing that we run down goes around the park and then goes back up to the top of the park and you do that for 24 hours yeah it's like a about a seven mile loop in in ocp um people think that's fun <laughs> so, somebody it was but, it was but what you're saying is you did that as a family like your yeah. kids were at the camp and you're yeah. trading off yeah they had their bikes yeah yeah they were riding around the campground and yeah it was it was fun. It added an extra challenge, but I'm glad we did it that way. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do they do, do they think it was a lot of fun? I'm yeah, they sure. keep asking if we're going to go to that race that we camped at again. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. How old are they? Uh, they're right now three and five. Yeah. They were when we did it the first time one and three. Yeah. One and three. <laughs> oh my gosh. One, one, you can do it. <laughs> Tim, Mort mentioned that your a lot of your training is for like deep deep woods hiking or you know excursions out, and um, you're carrying a lot of gear doing that kind of stuff, right? You're, so that's why you're doing the Rossi kettlebell thing. <laughs> yeah. What is what's that What's that like for you to to plan and go on? one of these i'm guessing you do like big game out yeah and stuff like that yeah colorado wyoming um this year idaho so i mean that's how that's how trail running can't sort of how trail running came to pass i ran in high school kind of got burned out on it early college stopped and um came back to it later just as a as a part of training to go out west and um just you know i live right Laura and I live live around the corner from each other. Uh, it's like us, and then the Matthews are like right between us. But uh, so, so you all race down the road. You know? <laughs> no, we never see each other. That's no. the funny thing. Like I'll chase her down the road sometimes and never catch her. And then wait, I didn't. Know you know, that. during the summer, like Brian, yeah, yeah. Brian will like. Uh, yeah, I chase you every. Yeah, yeah. But she must. We must run the same loop or something because every once in a while I'll see her like up in front of me. I do I'm see like, a light oh. and go wait. Yeah. So, uh, but um, we live right by the Crescent. So it's cool because we, yeah. we have access to, I think, one of the best trail systems outside of Menden and you know, OCP in the area, especially if you want to climb. Um, so I don't, where I was like going with this. Oh, so preparation for that. Um, so that's kind of how that all started was I was just trying to get in better shape to go out west and living right by the Crescent. I just started going in there and it was hiking and then turned into a little bit of running and be like winded after a quarter mile and be like I don't know what the hell's wrong with me I used to be able to do this for tons of time when I was younger that whole you know I could throw the football over the mountains over there Uncle Rico thing but um you know so over the years it's just kind of evolved and kind of back to deliberate practice just mix that with strength training and cycling and you know and everything else and it's just uh just becomes a plan so to kind of to answer your question like everything else just becomes a plan and you know you're going to go at this point 
have this event at this point and you start planning here and just go through so with when it. when you get out there, is it is it now your mind is off and you're in big sky country and you're just looking at the clouds thinking how wonderful this is and you've earned it? No. I wish I could say my mind is off. That's like my biggest struggle because like I'm self-employed. So the first usually three to four days when I'm out there, I'm a disaster. Like mentally, I'm just trying to process it all between the, knowing that I'm away from my family, usually for an extended period of time, and then knowing that I'm away from my business for an extended period of time. I really struggle for the first few days. And then after that, I can tend to, to focus. And the same holds true. Like last year when I went out and did the Grand Mesa with my friend, the first like three days I was there, I was not focused on the race at all. And I started to get worried because I was, I was pacing him for the, the last 37 miles. And I was like, I, that's all I kept thinking was, I, can't, I, I hope I don't fail this guy. Well, meanwhile, I've been working since January to physically be ready, but I still didn't feel like I was mentally ready. And then it was just like you, you have that, that moment where the, the switch flips and then, it's, then, you're, then I'm good. You know, there's other people that get out there and they're, they're on. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm more of a crock pot than a microwave, I guess. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, once I, once I get there, I'm, I'm ready, I'm hot, and let's go. But um, it, takes me, it takes me a bit. So. <laughs> what you're saying is you're, you're still warm to the touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, that's, that's in the show notes right there. Yeah. More of a crock pot than microwave. how... How does one get to be a microwave? <laughs> because my, my understanding is, is you don't sign up for a race or an adventure unless you know you're absolutely ready for it. And, 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 and obviously with caveats, right? But you're not going to go there unless you feel like you can do a thing. And you've often told me, like, I just I turn it off and I just don't think about it and I just do yeah once i'm there um it is a matter of kind of shutting out everything else and just being immersed in the experience itself i don't know if that's necessarily the microwave maybe more instapot (laughs) this is just getting fun now um there's an element to the style in which i've i've become accustomed to race i don't know if it's always the logical or right approach but it has worked out well for me and that has tended to be very aggressive from the from the go and some of that is it's much easier for me to be immersed in the setting if i don't have to stare at somebody's feet and so i choose to go out fast and in front so i can simply be there um and it has worked out for the most part um, for me. But, yeah, I guess that might be microwave reality. But you've seen me before races. I mean, I, I try really hard to shut everything out yeah. um, to a degree in which you can often find me in a corner by myself um, trying to sort of hide from everything before they say go. And yeah, as soon as not, they say go, it's an entirely different... You're not checking out the cabs of the competition, <laughs> right? No, I don't hang out at the pre-race stuff. Uh, that's all nervous energy. That's all just... And for some people, they, they draw their energy off of that. For me, it's counter. It just takes energy away from me. So, you know, when I do packet pickup, 
particularly for a long race, I get in and get out as quick as I can because I think mentally you get in that space and everybody looks fit. I mean, I can look around this room and go, man, there's some fit people here. And that can get in your head in the sense of how things might shake out um, come race day, particularly if you're trying to be competitive. If you're out there simply to finish, which is a good goal to have, then it's probably not as heavy of a thing to have to manage. Do you ever have a run where you're you're not there are no metrics where you're just out running? Do, do you do you seek that type of run, or are there is there always a measurement or a success criteria to your runs? So I never look at my watch. So while you think I'm driven by the metrics, um, I, I don't think you are. Just, I just uh, ask the questions. Um, <laughs> I never look at my watch in the course of a race or in the course of a training run. Ever. Um, so everything I do is by feel. Now, once I'm home and the watch dumps all its data, I'll sit there and look at all of the numbers and crunch it down. But in the run itself, I never, God bless you, look at the watch. So I kind of say that's every experience for me. As I go out the door, and even if it's a, a speed work run or something intense, um, I don't look at the watch. I, I, it's always on vibrate. It never makes a noise because I don't want it to make noise at me. Um, but yeah, I, I never look at it. Which you just checked yours. You did. I thought it was more telling me it's time to go already. Um, <laughs> sure. No, so, and that, you know, I, I asked because, you know, again, you spend a lot of time running. So it's kind of like, is it sometimes I'm looking and I'm going, oh boy. Uh, and miles, that means I'm going to get six miles in, in an hour. You know, like that, that kind of idea. So, I mean, I think we can all do that in the sense of, particularly as parents, when we have a set amount of time, mm -hmm. we, can t we can look at that time and go, how do I maximize the amount of time that I have? And when you know yourself and your capabilities well enough, when you know the bus is going to stop at the house at such and such a time, it suddenly becomes speed work out of necessity. <laughs> um, and you just know how to drop it down and get to where you need to get to. And sometimes I've gone up and down my block waiting for the bus to come, trying to get in the miles, um, because that's life and that's, that's where you're at. But, you know, if I have an hour, I can pretty much almost pinpoint the exact number of miles that I can cover in that hour. And I don't have to look at the watch to know if I'm going to be late or not. Yeah, it's the bottom. So, Laura, what uh, what kitchen appliance might you be? I, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's a vitamin. It's a theme. I feel. Like I don't know. <laughs> Put it all in. That might be. It's going to come out being fine. Right? It'll be something. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you um, how do you gauge your or how do you balance your enjoyment? versus your training. Do you do you try to say training is enjoyment or do you go out in the woods for fun? What's what's the balance for you? I'd say it's it's mostly fun unless I'm like trying to squeeze it in before work or like during work. It's like kind of something I have to like make time for whether rather than like it being just part of my day. And like on the weekend you could just be like I'm going to do this, this this weekend and this weekend's just gonna be run, or this weekend's just gonna be like a race, or gonna be a trip. Or it's always a trip. 
Yeah. It's always an adventure, isn't it? Yeah. So for people that don't know, Laura Laura did 74 peaks last year. Now, I, I don't know if you know how many weekends are in, in a year, not 74. Um, so what was that about, 70, 74 peaks? Was that a goal? Was it uh, 17 mountains every month? What did you, yeah. how did you decide that you wanted to, how did that happen? I didn't. I didn't know it happened until I just like I was like, I wonder how many peaks we did this year, and so I started adding them up, and I'm like, okay, because <laughs> like one weekend was like presidential, and then the next one was like Pemi Loop, and then and then there was like a week in the Adirondacks, and it's like each one of these hikes was like eight eight peaks, or and then I did like Catstail Marathon, and that was like another six, and yeah, that, that's one race, just it's a marathon, it's got six peaks in it, yeah. no, big, no big deal. Yeah, just you do these hikes and they just end up being more than one peak. And, <laughs> and then maybe you do like multiple days of multiple peaks and it just, yeah, just, it just, <laughs> it just happens. happens. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing that I think maybe a lot of people don't know um, is Laura does graphic design and makes really nice things, including the podcast logo. Um, but she also made a little book called Diner Quest. And in this book is, um, you open up page one, and it, it says, what's the name of the diner? Where was it? What day did you go? And then it has star ratings for coffee, pancakes, eggs, toast, and you just fill out your stars for, you know. And uh, it, it, she gave me one of these, and I'm like, this, this, you had to have gone to a lot of diners to decide that you want a Diner Quest book. So are yeah. all those peaks associated <laughs> with diners? No, just our goal is usually to finish in time to go to the diner. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you start at midnight, right? So yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're like, if we start tomorrow morning, we won't like make it to the diner. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think I know the answer, but what's your go-to at a brand new diner? I mean, it's usually... I mean, it depends on the pancake, if they have, like, chocolate chip and peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. And then strawberry jam. <laughs> so. And eggs. <laughs> I, uh, I've often, I, I think we've talked about this. I used to judge diners based on toast, and it got to be, got to be there just wasn't a lot of good toast at diners, and I had to, like, start changing it. And Laura, Know, help me with those metrics. She's like, no, the first place you go is a pancake. You always try to So I, I learned a lot. What about you, Laura? Do you have, are you a diner fan? Yeah. I, I don't think I the am the connoisseur. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently I have work to do to check out more, I think, but. Uh. <laughs> you know a person that can yeah. Well, what's your, I guess what I would say is that that's the sort of the reward after the big hike. So you, you did Hardcore 24, or you do these giant adventure races. Yeah. What are you looking forward to at the end? Uh, it varies, but I will tell you during the race, there's always conversations with your teammates and, you know, this is what I'm going to have when I'm done. And, you know, it might be a, a burger or a beer or, um, Fun fact, though, during the race, you can put into your gear bin, if you're coming to a gear bin, um, you know, a, a McDonald's or Burger King cheeseburger, you know, that 
there's plenty of preservatives in there. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> so um, having one of those mid-race at like 2 in the morning or whatever it is is, is wonderful. <laughs> they taste delicious. <laughs> we, we heard a story of a, a certain host in an adventure <laughs> race. Everybody stopped, all of Goose stopped at a McDonald's, bought a whole bunch of burgers, and Feisner made sure he stacked up on burgers. Timmy had his burgers. Mark just bought a couple burgers. <laughs> Mort Mort was light on cheeseburgers (laughs) during the adventure race. Everybody else is riding, pulling them out of the bag, and Mort only hit. It's amazing how quick they go down when you're really hungry. (laughs) You're like, oh, another. (laughs) And they're very, they can handle a lot of uh, abuse, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't gone that long after <laughs> eating them. <laughs> so Tim, the woods, the backwoods, yep. way out. You're hiking three, four days in. Nah, not usually that far. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll go in for maybe up to three overnights, but we'll usually go in, you know, however many miles, and then stop and set up like a spike camp or something like that, and then and then go out from there on on day stuff, maybe maybe move from there i mean it all depends upon where we are and what access is like each year so 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 you're going to idaho this year yep idaho what do you eat man that's That's a tricky (laughs) man yeah i'm eating my hunting partner um i don't know uh I, I just I just recently had to make some pretty significant dietary changes, so I'm sort of in the process of trying to figure that out. The good news is I can still have bacon, so um, that'll be on the menu. But yeah, a lot of uh, no pancakes. No, no pancakes unless they're gluten free. So oh, we could have like the um, we do those uh, birch benders. They're made with like almond flour and stuff. So uh, they're actually pretty good. My kids will even eat them. So yeah, they went gluten free. They don't even know. <laughs> just gonna trick him. Yeah. Tricked my wife into it. Yeah, just made That's how we got married too. <laughs> Our marriage is gluten free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. I tricked her into it. Yeah, yeah. So no, but it's uh, yeah, I mean, for like day to day energy, like you know, the honey singer waffles have been a pretty big staple over the years. On the on the big hunting trips. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like pro bars and that type of thing i mean that you know still i can those i can still take in uh, a lot of the honey stinger stuff so you know it, it's it's really similar nutritionally like the same stuff that i pack for an ultra is the same stuff i'll use in the backcountry except for you know if we're gonna if we're gonna be in the backcountry you end up using like a freeze-dried type meal or something like that just just add water heat it up so you know Dad, what about what about your what do you like at the end of one of these 18 hour 100 18 that's a longer one <laughs> how, how many of you are hungry when you finish these things I'm not always hungry but now I'll dream about food but then come the end I won't find myself in a place to actually want it and sometimes it'll take a couple of hours mm-hmm. before my body is really ready for it and um, the tastes vary it's never, it's never one particular thing um, you know, a burger and a milkshake often sounds great, but at the end of a race, I've had them put in front of me and struggled with them. 
So sometimes a bowl of cereal, just like it's easy to eat, and you can get it down, and um, it's got a lot of sugar to it. Cafe Crunch, <laughs> Fruit Loops. More like a Golden Grams, <laughs> which I don't, I don't really their own, you know? eat sweetened cereal. So talk about a special treat. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you got that motion. I know, I know. Yeah. So obviously, I've, I've taken us down a dark tunnel. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look here, and maybe with these, um, we can look at them in terms of some of the adventures, as as Mark mentioned. Um, Laura did rim to rim to rim with uh, Rochester Running Company um, last month, this month, some month ago. This month. Yeah, so um, there was a group of how many of you? 14? No, there. Sorry. How many was there? 12? 11? How many came back? Laura, didn't you help lead this trip? <laughs> I think there is one, two, three. Eh, that's close yeah. enough. Ten. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So Laura, Laura did rim to rim to rim. Um, and this question is, we can keep it in this sort of this idea. Um, what was the uh, the darkest hour of that rim to rim to rim trip? Um, surprisingly, we had a really good group. I don't think anyone had like any real low points. Other than me, like, <laughs> but um, well, I am asking you the question. I know, <laughs> but I was just like, I was more worried about the group. So like, you know, maybe I was, I definitely hit a wall because you know you don't really take care of yourself when you're trying to like think about everyone else. And True. so like, there was a point when I was like, I was starving, but we were all running, so you couldn't really eat or like drink because like the stuff's in your bag and your pockets are all empty, and <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm like we we got to one of the water stops and uh, I just like I ate an apple and it was not enough. <laughs> and then we just kept going and the like yeah, it was just a gr- group of girls, um, me and four others, three others, and they were just super strong. And I was like I was supposed to be the leader and I was just like falling back and I'm like oh my god, I have the car keys. <laughs> so I'm like I gotta I gotta make sure I stay with them because I don't want them to freeze if if they finish before me. <laughs> so, so yeah, it took it took a little while. That. I've never done that too. <laughs> uh, so, but this was a forty. This was forty. Uh, how many hours was it? It took us twenty. Twenty. Yeah, but from so you started. Started at four a.m. Finished like right at midnight. And we had two groups, so second group finished like right behind us, like twelve thirty. So twenty hours, and this was springtime, and the trails were perfect, and it was wonderful. <laughs> well, I mean, you start and it's it's icy going down, and lasts for like a mile and a half, and you you have spikes, so you have the traction, and you're fine. But it was definitely a slow start. Like it took, you no, know, maybe a few hours to get down. I don't know, three miles. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not a fast start. And then, but after that, you could, it was pretty much like a nice trail run. The trails are smooth. They're awesome. You see the sunrise from Little Grand Canyon and like how often you get to do that. <laughs> and then, and then you get to, you know, the other side, 
where it's still it's a good trail run but then you go through the Sapia tunnel and you see start seeing snow again and you're like oh this is where you know we heard there might be a lot of snow and it was getting kind of late it was like going to be 11:30 noon and we were thinking we would turn around at one o'clock to like you know try and finish today <laughs> but we were getting you know closer to the north rim and it was getting closer to one and we just you know we weren't weren't there yet and we just find ourselves breaking trail and then all of a sudden I'm like in up to my hip in snow <laughs> and then and yeah. Oh yeah, we were, you know, we were in shorts and <laughs> a tank top. <laughs> so. But it's the Grand Canyon, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so there's a lot of people here that have done Grand Canyon or been near the Grand Canyon and just walked right past it, right? And just, just walked right past the Grand Canyon. Um, but Jason Vidmar did the Grand Canyon in a different way, 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that idea of you're out all day you're in a different terrain you're in a different environment and you're the leader like oh greg was the leader <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but and so that that feeling of like i'm gonna let folks down and but you you came through right you did the thing well i mean going into it we said you know there's a good good chance we'll we won't make it to the north rim because we don't know how much snow is up there so in our heads we're like it's okay if we don't get there and you know maybe we will but I mean, we'll have we'll turn around at one no matter where we are. But then it was one thirty and we were still going up the north rim. <laughs> but and so at the point when I was like swimming in snow, we were like, you know, we're gonna turn around. We didn't we didn't reach the sign, but we were at the north rim almost. <laughs> so But you, you were you were there in spirit. Yeah, I mean I was yeah, I was no one was sad we turned around. Like our feet were cold, our, they were frozen. <laughs> Our hands are cold. Our legs are numb. So, yeah, shorts. Yeah. So, uh, Laura Weber, these adventure races are yep. deep, dark affairs. At times, <laughs> right? What is there a moment that when I asked Laura that question that like popped right in your head? And you're like, I know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking 12, 24 hours. Sometimes um, you don't know where you're going to be going or even what mode of transportation you're going to be using at any given time so you might find yourself on the bike at 2 a.m and um i remember doing the the usara nationals several years ago it was down um it's actually in uh new york state so it wasn't very far of a, a drive down um towards the the gunks and um it was a low of 29 that night in september i think um or october and um we were really excited being a team from Western New York. Like, we've got this. We know cold temperatures. We talked to a team from Florida at dinner the night before, so we thought, we're good. <laughs> it's still cold no matter where you're from. It's still cold. So we stopped at a gas station. We're putting plastic bags uh, in our sh- in our bike shoes. Um, and then as soon as I changed into my one pair of dry socks, like, in a puddle, you know, 10 minutes later. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you don't. The the interesting thing with that is that being a team sport, you hope that everyone's not hitting the low point at the same time, and so that's where you can kind of draw energy from 
the the people you're with. I know we we've done races where kind of every person had a a point where they, you know, weren't feeling the best or didn't want to go on, but just fortunately it doesn't happen at the same time. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's where you can kind of trade off and take someone's gear or um, just try to encourage them to to keep going or distract them with talking about something else. <laughs> I've tried all the tactics, <laughs> so um, yeah. Tim, you had mentioned bringing people up and when they're hitting one of their low points, she was just mentioning the whole team sport idea. Have you had to been pulled out of the, the low point as you have pushed somebody or they pushed you when you're in one of those spots? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, kind of back to what I was saying earlier, sometimes, you know, when I'm doing these trips out west, like, because I'm a, a little slower to disconnect from, from, the other half of my life if you will like I definitely need somebody to kind of keep me going in in the beginning and then you know things it's just like anything else if things aren't going my way I definitely need some encouragement that's probably my biggest obstacle when you know physically I'm I'm always I mean you know again like like Donovan said like I'm not I'm never paired with somebody that is equal you know, physically, I'm always ahead of, of them. It's just the mental side. It's just if things, you know, again, aren't aren't going the way that you want or the weather gets uh, unfavorable, <laughs> you know, or, you know, in, in the case of a hunt, like if the animals aren't cooperating or whatever, or, or you know, in a, in a, yeah, right. In a race, like, you know, on the Mesa, we were, that was when the that big fire was happening last year. So we're breathing in smoke-filled air and, like, sort of back to the snotsicles but they're not freezing like i just i didn't know my body had that much liquid in it that was snot like and it it just it started to bother me after a while like my face was chafing because i'm wiping my nose all the time like you know and i just i here i am supporting another guy and we get into the aid station and my my buddy's mother-in-law would be like are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Except for I just want to cut my face off. You know, <laughs> like, can we just remove my head? My nose is running so badly, and it's just all that particulate in the air. But it's, but they were, uh, you know, his mother-in-law and father-in-law were kind of our crew, and they were just so good about kind of picking you up when you're when you get there, and plus when you get to sit down and chill out for a little bit, it's like it's the best thing ever. <laughs> you know, so it's awesome to have people that you can rely on. I think that's the most important part of of any of this you know it's just having a good support a great support system so he's like just he's doing this for me now i know all right i mean so he did remind me of snotsicles and uh you're welcome important Um, (laughs) but he talked about the support crew and you know uh, i alluded to earlier your ability to kind of turn it off and not think and that's a, a large part of your racing and um, with your your parents being your support crew, um, do they also do the attaboy and encourage and pull you out of the dark spots? Uh, no, they lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I usually only find out about afterwards, sometimes months or years later, where <clears throat> in the middle of a race I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm toast talk to the race director, find out if I can drop to the 50-mile distance, if it's that kind of race that's got multiple distances going on at the same time. And I've been lied to. Like, nope, the distance you're signed up for is a distance you have to run. <laughs> and, and 
it ends up that's not true. But <laughs> some of that is the way that others see you and know the disappointment that you're going to have if you do drop down overrides where you're at in the moment. And so there is an element where, you know, there is the taking care of a person as part of the crew aspect, giving them a chance to sit down, taking in some nutrition and hydration. And then there's the point where you pull the chair away and walk away, and they go, oh, crap, I guess I have to go on, because you're not left with an option. And, and I think that's part of the challenge for people that are crew, is to understand that you have to be kind of cruel at a certain point, because your objective is to get the runner to the finish, and sometimes that means taking the chair away, even though all they want to do is stay. What I've seen at Cayuga comes to mind. You're running fast, you're running hard. You come into Buttermilk Falls, you got boogers all over your face, they're just pouring out. He doesn't take the time to wipe the boogers off, he just lets <laughs> They're just going to come back. Right. So <laughs> he comes rolling into this aid station, his parents roll up, and he's like, Ugh. And his dad's like, eat these salt potatoes. And he doesn't ask, he doesn't do anything. They go in. And his mom comes over, snot goes, boogers, and then he leaves. And that's that's what I was alluding to, where like you turn your mind off, you just do the thing, and then you run. I don't know that I've ever heard him say, like, you're doing great. No. Well, and there's also a degree to which that we've become symbiotic over time in the sense of, I don't necessarily want to hear that, or I don't want to hear my position relative to other people. I, I just don't. If I happen to be leading the race and somebody is, is coming up quickly, I don't want to know, because that gets in my head and, and takes me away from the experience of just running. You know, I sign up these, for these races so I can go run on the trails. That's, that's really why I do it. And I have a finite amount of time I think that's probably why you do adventure races. We have a finite amount of time to exercise our joy. And so for me, it's, okay, I've got a day to run 100 miles, and then I've got to be home to work. And, and It's so glamorous when you put it that yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's capitalizing on, on being really present. So the difference between us is I've got that finite amount of time, so I turn the mind right into it because that's all I've got. I, I don't have more time that I can lend to it. Yeah. So um, the uh, what are the uh, we talked about dark moments or darkest time. The idea of what are you chasing? What is the bright moment that if you could sort of what was the time that you want to relive? Do you have a bright experience in the past, or oh, if I could just get back to that? I think any of us that have experienced a sunrise in the midst <laughs> of any outing will say that there is something truly redemptive and resurrecting about sunrise, that even if you've been out for a day or two days or three days, when the sun comes up, it does make you feel better. And there is this appreciation that washes over you for, for a new day and, and what lies before you. So, you know, if there's a light you're chasing, I don't know, maybe we're all just chasing the sun. What about you, Records? What what what's one of the bright moments that you want to remember? What are you chasing after? I, don't, I think 
the bright moments just happen. Like, like during the hikes, the, the Pemi Loop hike, it, was, it just happened to be the night of the Palisades meteor shower, and we were hiking all night. So it ended up being perfect. <laughs> and we got to watch shooting stars all night and hike this like awesome range. <laughs> we had no idea. It was just, just something that kind of happened. And we were just out there. Yeah. <laughs> And then the Pre- the Prezi Traverse, like that was also, we just didn't want to wake up super early, <laughs> so we just started hiking. And it ended up being like, you saw a sunrise over Mount Madison, and it was, there's only like 60 clear days of the year on Mount Washington, and we had one of them. And <laughs> so yeah, they just happen. Yeah, things, things just happen if you put yourself out there. If you do 74 peaks, one of them is bound to be clear, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can point to one specific one. I do agree with the sunrise. There's something, especially if you're in a situation where you haven't slept, right? And and um, there's something about it starting a new day, even though you haven't slept, you feel like you're just getting up, and it kind of gives you this burst of energy um, for some time anyway. And um, um, so anytime you get to experience that, I, I think um, I also, like, getting new experiences and trying new things and and um so maybe i don't know what it is yet but um you know just seeing what else is out there and, and trying to come up with new challenges for myself i think is also something i like to try to figure out yeah that the idea of new um is is something i think where in in our area you know we say oh we got the best trails and we got the most amazing network of systems and greatest races but then you see people, they're going out to Grand Canyon or they're going out to, to Moab or to Utah or, you know, um, Portland because they're, they're going to look for something new. But then they always kind of come back here for the most part. Some people, some people might stay, but they end up coming back here in Rochester. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think there's a, a lot to offer here. And I think... Um, I think Laura had said earlier too of doing something that you maybe didn't think you could do or didn't know your body could do and then you know that feeling afterwards of wow I just did that really hard thing I didn't think I'd be able to do and then kind of gives you energy for the next thing well what's the next thing going to be so Tim do you have one of those bright moments that you're chasing after I can't I honestly can't single one out I I, I just I feel like it's constantly a chase just yeah. to the I don't want to say the next thing but just I feel like I'm always chasing those moments, and it's that's part of the fun, you know. Whether it's whether it's the sunrise, I mean, see that almost every day, but they're always different, you know. It's I don't know, I, I can't think of just one. But that's part, like I said, that's part of the fun. I think that's why I do all of it. I think of like Rochester. I, I got in this point where I was like, oh, where do I want to run today? I can run at this cool place. I can run at that cool place. I can run at this one. I can run at that one. And then I'm like, I'm just going to go out the door and just run. I, I don't need to pick the most perfect spot. I, you know, it's it's 47 degrees and it rained yesterday, so which trail is going to be optimal? It's like just go and figure out what you're going to so with that, I guess I would ask, like, do you have a favorite place in Rochester that's your sort of go-to that we can all follow you to and try to catch? <laughs> um, well, just from proximity, the Crescent Trail's out, literally out my back door. So that's most not really recently, 
<laughs> but going back to the having the finite amount of time, I can spend 15 or 20 minutes driving somewhere, or I can have more time on the trail if I just go out my door. So, so I mean, that's the kind of thing you have to, to weigh sometimes. Um, but I do enjoy going down to the um, Finger Lakes area, too, when we have more time, OCP, um, and parts of the Finger Lakes Trail, too, for sure. It's the Crescent Trail. It really is. <laughs> the Crescent or the Seneca. I mean, I just, I run. I, I probably do that one more than anything. I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, it's not only the fact that I'm used to it, but it's challenging. It's great scenery, and, you know, there's certain times a day you can run certain sections, and it's, it's just awesome. To, to have it, like, literally a stone's throw from our houses is, it's, it's like a gift. So have you raced? I'm trying to think if I I don't think I've raced it. Uh, it always that race always falls on my my daughter's birthday weekend, so it's not in my best personal interest <laughs> to to do it right now. <laughs> well put. Yeah. <laughs> Davin, Davin has in fact raced it a bunch, right? twice, uh, a couple times I think. So do you you so you were. Born here, you do the do the Buffalo thing. I graduated high school in Rochester and, and live in Buffalo now. And um, you all don't know how good you have it. Maybe you do, um, but you know I've got to drive forty five minutes to get even a remotely decent trail. So within an hour, I can be in Rochester. And so sometimes, rather than going south from Buffalo, I just come east to Rochester because I know all the trails around here. A lot of times that just lands me in Menden Ponds because it's convenient to, to, to Interstate 90, and I know every trail in that park. And I managed to string it together in a way where you can do a full marathon without repeating a trail. So it's how to play games in your head with how can I do this in a way to be creative with what I have and the time that's here. My parents live about a half a mile away from an entry point in the powder mill, so the convenience of when I happen to be at my parents' house or I'm overnighting there is I'll run that half a mile um, up the road and then jump on the trail in Powder Mill. And you can string together a pretty good run in Powder Mill if you get creative as well. So there's there's just so much that's good around here. And I think that often when you're immersed in your setting, you don't realize how good you have it until you're somewhere else, like Buffalo. And you go... Man, there is nothing around here. We're on the waterfront again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up, I did the opposite. I grew up in Buffalo and came here. Yeah. So, um, so Laura, do you have a favorite trail or place in Rochester to um, get out? I have I love Dryer Park. It just, it's a lot of fun to run in. You can't run that far. <laughs> or you can't, you just got to repeat everything. <laughs> dryer Park. Yeah, Dryer Park. Uh, but if I want to do like a longer run, I do like the cre- like linking the Crescent Trail with the Auburn Trail, and you can like go through Powder Mill too. So maybe we'll we'll wrap up with some philosophical thoughts. So maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, you can use your work voice for this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna try to tell somebody, somebody's gonna be like, I don't understand. Why do you do this? What? Why? What's why? Tell me why you do this, because I don't get it. What would you say, Laura? Me? Um, yeah. 
I I do this because you just like you get to know yourself and you hit so many points either whether it's a race or it's an adventure maybe you hit a low point and then maybe you eat something or drink something and then you feel totally different and maybe you think you can't run any farther and then like an hour later you're running again and just like hitting those low points and coming back and feeling like you're so sore when you're done and like wake up the next morning you're like I don't know when I'll be able to run again and then the next day you're like oh I feel like I can run <laughs> it's just yeah it's just amazing to see what your body can do and yeah and you get to see a lot of stuff during it <laughs> see the sights yeah. get down try again mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you darling why What's, I don't get it why not well, because you can take up something like water polo instead. You know, that might be somebody's thing. Mm-hmm. I, For me, what it has become is it has restored my hope in humanity. And that may, that may be overreaching, but there's a lot when we read the headlines and generally walk through life that can leave us rather despondent and hopeless. And the trail community is the counter to that. So every time that I really don't have a sense that the future is going to be okay, and I've got a kid, you know, and so I need that reassurance <laughs> that the future is going to be okay. Participating in a trail race is the most egalitarian, selfless. It's the one place where somehow the divisions and the political alignments and everything else just seems to disappear as everybody says, hey, good job, and if you stumble over and fall on your face, everybody stops, even the people in the front of the race, and says, are you okay? Can I help you out? And I don't think there's anywhere else in life that I've experienced that. So for me, it's become spiritual in the sense that it's become my faith community. It's become the place that has restored my hope for the future. So why? Because I need hope. I can't. I really. I. I can't one up that at all. I can't. I won't even. <laughs> I won't even try. I mean, it's. it's no, no. But it's, I mean, it's just so simple. It's just people, places, and things. And I think that, that you have exposure in a positive way to all of those through this activity and through this community. And that. That's. That's what I love about it. I mean, it's just. You just every day is is new and different and it's and, and again even even when there's challenges it's still like it's the best it just it's the best yeah i mean I, I i i agree with the other comments it's really a chance to get out it's like i said it's um a time to be by myself and stress relief and and think and just you know sometimes i spend time just going and not thinking but other times i'm thinking about other things in my day and and just kind of it's 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 almost meditative i think in some ways um when i'm out there by myself so and um you know i agree with the community aspect of it too i've met some really great people and uh, i do think there's a really community great community here in the area so yeah well thank you all and thanks for answering my <laughs> questions and uh 
Thanks for aligning yourself with various kitchen appliances. <laughs> it's going to be really necessary come the apocalypse. <laughs> so who's the crap pot and who's the microwave? It's going to be helpful. Um, and again, thanks, Mark, for letting me do this part. And thank you all for coming. George again, Mark. I'd love to echo what you have to say, Chris. Thank you guys for sharing your time, your stories. Uh, another fantastic night. I'm uh, hoping everybody was willing to stick around for a little bit, talk more with these guys. Yeah, we're going to kick around at free, free form now. Beverages on Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. And look forward to another trail running season ahead of us. So. Thank you all okay. so much. Thanks. Yeah.